Hi everyone, I'm Kiana, and I'd like to welcome you to Toronto Nature Now, brought to you by CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto and the Toronto Field Naturalists. The Toronto Field Naturalists are a volunteer-run, non-profit nature conservation organization, connecting people with nature and wildlife in the Toronto area. Today I'm joined by Paul Overy, who's here to talk about Coronation Park. Paul has a background in geography, planning, psychology, and education, among other fields, and is a walk leader with the Toronto Field Naturalists, as well as two other groups. He's also been the coordinator of Toronto Nature Now for the TFN since 2020. Paul is passionate about exploring, learning, and sharing stories of place, as well as how public policies shape, enhance, or harm the world in which we and other beings live. Paul and I had a great an enlightening conversation about Coronation Park. And so here's what Paul had to say. So hi, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Kiana. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so so much for joining me today. And you're going to talk to me about Coronation Park. I will. (laughs) (laughs) My first question is, there are many parks in Toronto. What's special about Coronation Park? And why did you want to speak about it? So until a few years ago, Coronation Park was just a green space near the lake that I walked by, but never really explored. And then I took part in a TFN walk there with conservation researcher, Dr. John Backer. And he shared quite a bit about its origins and importance. And I became fascinated by this very unique, intentional and symbolic landscape that I think should be better known. So I'm sharing mostly Dr. Backer's work here today. Cool. And so I don't live in Toronto, so I'm not very familiar with the geographical area about it. So for people who don't know, like me, where is Coronation Park? So the park is about three and a half hectares in size and is bounded by Lakeshore Boulevard to the north, Lake Ontario to the south, the south end of Strawn Avenue to the west and a service road to the east. So it's it's basically southeast of the CNE grounds. Cool. And so how did this park come to be? It's truly a remarkable story. Coronation Park is the only part of the massive landfill along the Toronto waterfront since the 1880s, which was intentionally created as a public park. Many parks facilities were expanded in Ontario following World War I and during the Depression in the 1930s to provide more park facilities and recreation programs for citizens in general and children in particular, with the clear intention of avoiding social problems later on. Coronation Park was also built in particular to provide meaningful work for unemployed men. In 1934, Toronto was suffering through the Great Depression with a quarter of the population on relief. The Toronto Harbour Commission regularly dredged the bottom of Toronto Harbour to keep it at navigation depth. In exchange for the City of Toronto government paying for navigation improvements, the commission deposited two and a half hectares of sand along the lake shore at the foot of Strawn Avenue and the city then took possession of the new land for park purposes. 
the concept for what to do with sand sucked up from the Toronto Harbour was provided by the imaginative conservationist organization, Men of the Trees. They ensured that the park would be invested with such sacred values that the most intense pressures for redevelopment for non-parkland use would be resisted. And nearly 90 years later, we can say that they were right. Construction of the park itself began in the spring of 1935. One of the objectives of the project was to provide work to unemployed workers on welfare who made up three quarters of the workforce. Their wages were paid by the federal government. The project provided work for six months to spread scarce jobs equitably. Men were employed so that each was able to have at least 48 hours of work. The park's construction was hard labor. Steam shovels did the dredging from under the lake, but the soil was moved into the park by wheelbarrow pushed by workers. The design of Coronation Park was very much a product of its times in the midst of the depression. The memorial grove of trees dedicated to Canadian war veterans reflected an evolution of the park design away from the heavily ornamental gardens of the Victorian age towards an ecological ethic of establishing urban wilderness areas and incorporating idealism into the landscape. Coronation Park reflected new visions of both conservation and imaginative approaches to the commemoration of wartime service. The Toronto chapter of the International Men of the Trees shared its influential ideas for uniting the conservationist sentiments of army veterans and foresters. The park was completed in time for the planting of trees on May 12, 1937, Coronation Day, a public holiday in Toronto. The design of the grove grouped trees to represent the several parts of the British Empire in a circle around the Royal Oak, planted in commemoration of King George VI. 144 trees were donated for the planting by the Toronto chapter of Men of the Trees and the grove was developed in such a way so that it should last without major replantings for 200 to 250 years. A year later, a quarter of a million veterans participated in a commemorative service over three days of the civic holiday weekend. And the members of the assembly pledged themselves to the service of the nation and the maintenance of democracy. The last major planting in the park took place to mark the royal visit in 1939, where a tree was planted for every public and separate school in the city by students from those schools, with help from a veteran who had planted the maples in 1937. That's really cool. I didn't know that. And um, I really like that this I guess organization created more jobs in such a environmental and good way. So you mentioned that this group is called the Men of the Trees. So could you say more about them and why they were important? It was a truly remarkable organization guided by the ideals of its founder, Richard Saint-Barbe Barker. 
Born in Britain, he left school in 1909 for Saskatchewan, where he made a conscious effort to live in harmony with nature. His contact with Indigenous people led him to believe in ordering society through cooperation with nature. Such bioethical principles were reinforced by his experience as a professional forester. Working in Kenya, Barker developed among the Kikuyu tribe, an army of tree planters and nurturers known as Watu Wa Mite, or Men of the Trees. From that experience, Barker then established Men of the Trees chapters around the world. Barker lectured to army cadets and war veterans on the need for reforestation as they were collectively convinced that the root causes of war lay in the thoughtless destruction of nature. Baker's vision of turning armies over to reforestation corps sought to eliminate the causes of war by reducing hardship, scarcity, and poverty caused, he felt, by ecological degradation. The planting of trees at Coronation Park by the Toronto chapter of Men of the Trees carried out Barker's ideals and continued his dialogue with war veterans by planting trees ceremoniously and with respect as the basis of a communal ritual. Moving forward in time, the Men of the Trees ecological view of the roots of peace began to permeate the global peace movement after World War II. It became most pronounced in India. Here, it became integrated into the holistic philosophy of peace espoused by the Gandhian movement, manifested in the Chipko or tree hugging movement, which emerged in response to the violent landslides with heavy loss of life caused by the deforestation in the Himalayan mountains. Indian villagers defied armed guards by clinging to trees marked for cutting. I found it truly moving to learn the real origin of the term tree hugger as far more profound than the association I thought it had with the recent environmental movement. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know the origin of that term either. It's, it's crazy to see how much it's changed. Mm-hmm. And speaking of changed, how has this park changed much since it was created? Remarkably little, given the many huge changes which were proposed over the years. For one thing, very few of the 144 ceremonial trees planted there in 1937 have needed to be replaced. So it is mostly a grove of beautiful, huge, mature maple trees, as well as some oaks and elms. In the 1950s, when the Gardner Expressway was being planned, the city's intention, believe it or not, was to relocate the buildings of Fort York to the park so that the expressway could go straight over the Fort York lands rather than curving around them as it does now. It took persistent community opposition on the part of a coalition of veterans groups and historical societies to get Metro Chairman Fred Gardner and his highway planners to reconsider their plans. More community opposition was needed in the 1970s when CNE expansion plans included moving the CNE midway from the CNE grounds into the park. 
which would have completely destroyed it. Veterans and labor organizations successfully stopped the proposal and the park lived on. Having survived so well since 1937, the paths and historical markers were repaired and enhanced since 2018. And quite a bit of historical information is now provided on signs through the park to help people understand and appreciate what they are seeing. That's great. It seems like this park has really stood the test of time. And so what do you think are some of this park's particular legacies? Coronation Park does in some ways celebrate a British imperial sensibility that is mostly gone from Toronto culture today. But more importantly, it speaks to a remarkable vision and cooperation of war veterans, conservationists, and government officials from nearly a century ago and their commitment to the natural world as essential to making peace, a lesson we forget at our peril. Great, thank you. Um, this park seems so beautiful and I, I wanna now squeeze in a visit. Please do, it's, it's really remarkable and uh, the trees will be coming alive in a few weeks. Uh, the maple trees are glorious. They are huge. And it's, it's really worth experiencing. It's uh, slightly otherworldly. And when you know the backstory, as I, I learned it, uh, it's quite awe-inspiring. So I highly recommend it. For sure. Thank you so much for talking with me today about Coronation Park. You're very welcome, Kiana. Thank you for your perceptive questions. Hi, everyone. I just want to say thanks again to Paul Overy for talking with me today. And I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Anyone out there who'd like to get involved with the Toronto Field Naturalists can visit their website at torontofieldnaturalists.org. Again, that's torontofieldnaturalists.org. Paul gets another special shout out because he's the show coordinator and once again, I'm Kiana for CJRU, and this has been Toronto Nature Now. Make sure to tune in next time. 